Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.purevoice.com forward slash TAU. This program has been supported by an independent educational grant from Gilead Sciences Incorporated. Welcome to this Pure Voice Talks on Mental Health and HIV. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Dr. Shimu Kamlichi. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, I'm Shumi Kamlichi, a clinical psychologist from the Royal Free Hospital in London. Um, in this activity today, we are going to discuss mental health problems in people living with HIV and prevalence and impact. As efforts to end the AIDS epidemic intensifies, it's increasingly important to support the mental health and well-being of people living with HIV and or affected by HIV. Despite the medical advances in producing safer, more effective antiretroviral drugs, HIV is still a highly stigmatizing condition. The consequences of having both HIV and stigma mean some mental health problems are more prevalent in people living with HIV than the general population. To support people living with HIV with their mental health, uh, we must take a holistic and person-centered approach. Care should be about understanding um, as well as doing an assessment on mental health issues present in people living with HIV and offering treatments, including psychiatric and psychological treatments. Let me start with an anecdote of a person living with HIV. Often people living with HIV experience a variety of emotional difficulties from the moment they're diagnosed. Navigating the various aspects of life, which is already complicated, whilst living with HIV presents with its own unique challenges. Having a HIV identity can lower someone's self-esteem, uh, making it hard to feel confident in themselves. Um, it can also make it hard to seek and disclose in relationships, harder to accept that they have to take medication for the rest of their lives, um, harder to make major life decisions, about work, marriage, pregnancy, immigration, housing, and also harder to manage long-term issues such as aging with HIV. Let me introduce you to Jack. He is a 31-year-old heterosexual man who was infected with HIV through engaging in sex with other men under the influence of drugs known as chemsex. Jack was referred to me following his HIV diagnosis. Uh, more often than not, receiving a HIV diagnosis can be psychologically traumatic and can resemble the loss process. Jack's initial reaction when he met with me were denial, then feelings of shock and feelings of fear. He came into the therapy room and the first thing he said to me was, how did this happen to me? Um, what does this mean for my life now? Um, what will happen when I meet a girl and I have to tell her that I'm HIV positive? Uh, as he was saying this, um, his hands were shaking. You know, he looked like somebody with so much weight on his shoulders. He was so worried about the impact this was going to have on him, his family, any relationships he would have in the future. And he said to me, what will my friends think of me now? What will my family think? You know, I'm usually the life and soul of the party, just the easygoing guy. And now I just can't be any of that. Um, I felt his pain. I really wanted to hug him and, and tell him that things would be okay. A few sessions in, um, once the initial shock and uh, fear subsided, um, other emotions began to emerge for Jack. He said to me, I am so angry, so angry with myself for getting this, so angry with the person who gave me this. Um, he told me that he stopped seeing his friends um, and family and stopped going to the parties because he just didn't feel like it. 
you know. Um, it's as if he lost his meaning and purpose. Um, and at the same time, he focused a lot of his energy into work. And I was proud of him for being able to do that in spite of how he was feeling. Um, this showed his resilience, his strength, his determination to not give up. Um, it's very normal for people living with HIV to feel um this level of anger towards themselves and, and low mood at the beginning um, and to withdraw as well. But these feelings we know does subside um, with time and I knew that he would. Uh, but the working with those feelings at that time is quite difficult to do. Um, it was sometime later, maybe seven to eight months later, that um, he reached out to me and asked me um, to help him to live his life with HIV. You know, he didn't want to compromise his physical health, his psychological health and his social health. Um, he said to me, I need to learn more about this condition I need to meet people with this condition and I need to find a way to live with it. In my mind, we had moved away from some of the earlier feelings and was now exploring ways to accept um, this diagnosis, which was great. So right now I'm going to tell you a little bit about the prevalence of common mental health problems in people living with HIV. A review of the current literature suggests that the prevalence of these issues, the common mental health issues, are quite high um, in people living with HIV, with some studies reporting 26 to 62%. Um, the most prevalent is uh, depression and anxiety as being one of the most common mental health issues. A recent survey um, across sub-Saharan Africa um, revealed that people living with HIV um, they had a high prevalence of depression, almost about 24%, compared to um, less than 3% of the general population. A study in London also found that people living with HIV were more likely to experience depression, anxiety, adjustment issues um, than any other mental health problems. And they were also twice as likely to be diagnosed with depression than the general population. Another study showed that adolescents, um, so these are young adults with living with HIV, um, and young, young people living with HIV were generally, um, had higher prevalence of mental health issues, um, than their peers. Other studies have reported that people living with HIV are significantly more likely to have suicidal thoughts and die by suicide compared to the general population. Three African studies recently reported that the rates of suicide ideations or attempts range from 13 to 17% among people living with HIV. Lesbian, gay and bisexual and transgender and intersex people also experience higher rates of mental health issues um, and are disproportionately at higher risk of suicide than other people. Sleep problems is also quite relatively high amongst our patient group, um, something that we've witnessed a lot during the pandemic, but generally it can be quite high and prevalence rates have been you know, shown to be almost around 30 to 100%. Um, sleep problems are associated with depression, anxiety, stress, substance use, poverty, um, ART medication and lack of social support, as well as internalized HIV stigma, which is something we'll discuss a bit later. And finally, PTSD, um, so post-traumatic stress disorder, um, also found to be quite high in people living with HIV than the general population. Um, in that category as well, women living with HIV and long-term HIV survivors also are more likely to have um, PTSD diagnosis and experience some of the symptoms more than their peers. Um, several risk factors are involved in um, why people living with HIV are more likely to have PTSD. This includes trauma and exposure to trauma at their early age, repeated trauma throughout their life, um, and also repeated um, 
exposure to physical and sexual health, um, sexual abuse, as well as living in environments that are characterized by poverty, violence, and a lack of social support. On the whole, the message here is that people living with HIV are more affected um, by mental health issues, are more affected by stigma related to having HIV, discrimination, social marginalization, which can elevate the rates of mental health problems um, and uh, emotional distress. So that's something that we do need to, in our clinics, work on. You know, we do need to find a way to understand some of these issues as well as treat it. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is the prevalence of serious mental health issues in people living with HIV. Um, so these serious issues include psychosis, schizophrenia, bipolar, recurrent mood disorder, substance misuse. Um, a systematic review in 2016 um, found that there was high prevalence of um, HIV in people living with serious mental health issues. And further, that mental health issues plays a critical role in increasing the risk of HIV acquisition by four to tenfold. In the USA, uh, the prevalence of HIV in people living with serious mental health issues was 6% and a staggering 90% in Africa. That's quite high. So what elevates this risk for HIV in people living with serious mental health issues? So the reviews and others have found that people with serious mental health issues are at high risk of contracting HIV for multiple factors. This includes engaging in more risky sexual behavior, inconsistent condom use, having multiple sexual partners at risk of HIV, trading sex um, or working as a sex worker, um, drinking alcohol or drugs during or, or, or after sex. Um, they are also more likely to be victims of sexual violence, discrimination and financial instability. And due to the psychiatric and negative symptoms, their judgments may also be impaired. So what are the, some of the factors um, that uh, leads to um, people living with HIV to have more common mental health problems. Some of the factors are sociodemographic, so this includes people's age to gender, sexual orientation and ethnicity. Some environmental factors include violence, um, lack of adequate water supply, wars, natural disasters, pandemics. Some of the structural issues include poverty, low education, unstable housing, food insecurity. Some of the individual factors include social support, lack of social support, um, loss, trauma, gender-based violence, and of course, there's biological factors too. The impact of having common mental health problems and not um, treating those issues can be quite severe in our patient group. Um, often studies have found that untreated mental health issues can lead to HIV disease progression, um, including decreasing CD4 count, um, increasing viral load, um, increasing the risk of clinical decline and even mortality. Um, there is an association with higher stigma, anxiety, depression, recreational drug use, history of trauma, sexual assault with subsequent poor ART adherence. So really these things need to be managed a bit better in order for our patients to be adherent to the medication and not transmit HIV to somebody else. Thank you very much for listening to me. Please join us for our next talk. Hello, I'm Shimi Kamlichi, a clinical psychologist from the Royal Free London Hospital. Um, welcome to this activity on protecting the mental health of people living with HIV, what can be done. As efforts to end the AIDS epidemic intensifies, it is increasingly important to support the mental health and well-being of people living with and affected by HIV. Despite the medical advances in producing safer, more effective antiretroviral drugs, HIV is still a highly stigmatizing condition. The consequences having both HIV and stigma
I mean, some of our patients experience mental health issues more than the general population. To support people living with HIV with their mental health, we must take a holistic and person-centered approach. Care should include an understanding and assessment of mental health issues presenting people living with HIV, uh, as well as delivering psychological and psychiatric interventions. Let me circle back to Jack. Jack struggled for some time with accepting his HIV diagnosis. It affected his self-esteem, his identity, and the way he related to others. He said to me in therapy, I just don't feel comfortable with other people anymore. I find myself getting annoyed with them and wanted to tell them that I have HIV, but I can't. Um, he could not see how he could live with something that was so stigmatizing, even if medically under control. From a clinical experience, uh, we know that supporting people living with HIV and coping with stigma is one of the most difficult challenges we face. If Jack was going to live his life well with HIV, we needed to unpack the issue of stigma and also talk about the ideas and beliefs he and others had about HIV. So in therapy, that's what we set out to do. You know, using a narrative therapy framework, I asked Jack to deconstruct his ideas, stories and beliefs about HIV and clarify what the actual problem with HIV was. Jack was able to explore this with me and was able to say, really, it's not the HIV that's an issue, but the stigma behind it. Um, the pill is easy to take. I'm undetectable already and I have no issues uh, with having sex with people. I know I won't pass it on to them, but it's the way people see the HIV. Right there and then, I was actually quite touched and also thought we had come a long way. Um, he was initially very devastated with having HIV and now he was able to identify the HIV wasn't the actual issue, but just the stigma. After identifying stigma as the main issue, we went on to then discussing the impact of stigma um, that was having on his life, as well as where it came from. This enabled Jack to see that stigma is a thing that exists within society, culture, media, politics, history, and other big discourses. We then started to um, discuss how it felt to share his life with stigma, whether it was okay with him and if it wasn't, what he might do about it. I asked him directly, what do you think about stigma? You know, is stigma a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What is it doing to you? What's it been like to share your life with stigma? Is this okay with you? Um, Jack said to me, stigma is a horrible thing. Um, I don't particularly like it. In fact, I hate it. I don't really want to live my life with it around. It's taken over so much of my life already. I just don't want it around anymore. At that moment, I was getting a bit excited. Um, I knew that, you know, he was already separating the HIV from the stigma and locating the stigma in a context. Um, and that's the first sign of showing resistance against this thing. The next part of therapy involved me asking Jack a little bit about the times that he was able to resist stigma already. You know, he's been diagnosed, what, eight months now. Within that time, he's done a lot of resisting. So it was very important for me to gauge some stories about how and what he has done. And also to ask him, you know, how would it be to live his life even if stigma is around? So he started telling me um, about what's important to him and what he really values. He said to me, I want to make a fresh start. Um, I want to get a job. I want some new friends. I want to have new experiences and also be around like-minded people. Um, so then we went on searching for this new way of being. Um, this kind of questioning that we did in therapy allowed Jack to situate the problem, which was the stigma, not the HIV in context and in history. 
and to evaluate whether the problem um, in his life and the presence of it is good or a bad thing. And if they identify as a bad thing, then they can start to identify ways to resist it. So why is mental health screening so poor, even though mental health problems are so common in people living with HIV? Often we notice that in clinics, the worry is sort of time and service constraints. Um, there is also an awkwardness with asking questions that are about sex, about gender, about violence, about suicide, about drug use. And also predominantly, one of the main thing is that not all HIV clinics have psychologists or mental health provisions. So a lack of support services meaning means a lack of assessment and also means a lack of referral network. Um, but I can assure you that uh, many healthcare professionals can, with training, uh, do these assessments and they can also make a referral and or offer brief psychological interventions there and then. Um, and luckily, a lot has already been done. You know, there's a lot more guidelines now on mental health issues in people living with HIV. Um, there's a lot more treatment and research, um, you know, that is going on within that community. There's a lot more activists around that field too. There's also better language, better language to discuss mental health issues rather than stigmatizing, medicalized, pathologizing language. Um, there's a lot more understanding now post-COVID as well on mental health issues and isolation, mental health issues amongst people living with health issues. Um, there's more understanding about uncertainty, grief, and generally more understanding of our mental health. So all in all, a good progress that we've made. So what can you do as clinicians, whether you are a psychologist, a non-psychologist, a doctor, a nurse, what can you do to support the mental health uh of people living with HIV. So first thing you might want to do is assessment. So you might want to screen for mental health issues. Often tools like the GAD or the PHQ um, are very good tools. You can use the long version or you can use the shortened versions, which is a PHQ-2 or GAD-2 to detect any common mental health issues in patients living with HIV. What you want to do in the assessment is, is a few nuggets that I'm going to tell you about how to do psychology assessments. What you want to do in the assessment is to find out, first of all, what are the psychological difficulties that patients may experience that may hinder the treatment adherence or make it difficult for them to cope with the condition or make it difficult for them to reduce the risky behavior as well as reduce sexual transmission. So first of all, you're going to do is introduce yourself. Hi, I'm so-and-so. Today, I would like to ask you a few questions about your mental health and also discuss with them confidentiality and note-keeping. What you want to do is ask them about the particular problems that they're going through. So what is the main difficulties you're having? Um, what is the main problem that you're experiencing? When did it first start? What are some of the triggers? Um, what is your normal mental health, health and mental state like? You know, Are you having concentration problems, memory problems? Is there sleep and weight appetite issues? And lastly, you want to ask them about the general background information, so family history, early relationship, significant events such as losses, education, employment. All of this will give you a good idea about what's going on with that person, what's really happening to them. And then you want to ask them a little bit about the HIV-related issues. So these were, when were you diagnosed with HIV? What are your ideas about HIV? How do you feel about being positive? Um, and also, do you need any help regarding managing your HIV diagnosis? So adjustment issues, stigma issues, disclosure, and managing relationships, sexual issues. This will give you a good insight about HIV-related mental health issues. So you, by asking this question, you will be able to find some answers. Um, after that, you want to ask them a little bit about the resources and coping strategies. You know, people have a lot of skills and a lot of mechanisms to cope. So do not forget to ask them about how are they coping, because that will help throughout um, in managing whatever issue that they're having. 
And lastly, you make a decision. Are you going to see them again and offer some strategies maybe, or are you going to refer them to a psychologist or a specialist therapist? In terms of um, psychological therapy, there is a lot of evidence to suggest that psychological therapy is extremely beneficial and helpful for our patients. Um, often treatment for depression um, and as well as traumatic stress or PTSD have found that therapy has made a difference in the sense that it has increased ART adherence. It has also reduced substance use and risky sexual behavior. Psychologists now draw on many different types of models. Uh, we don't have the time today to go through all of the models, but I can briefly tell you about the three models that have have good evidence base and have shown to be quite effective in our clinic with our HIV patients. Firstly, cognitive behavioral therapy, which um, is quite popular and, and most people are aware of that. Um, it has a lot of evidence base and it really focuses on challenging patients' negative thoughts, beliefs, and facilitating a alternative way of thinking and coping strategies. It's been very useful in people living with HIV. It has shown to be more effective than just medical and psychiatric interventions. There is also now an increasing evidence that mindfulness and meditation um, is useful for our patients, especially it improves acceptance and adjustment, as well as resulting in better management of the overall health. And finally, one that I use in our clinic is narrative therapy, um, which is getting a lot more recognition. This type of therapy can be used individually or as a community approach. It centers people as experts of their own lives and opens a space for telling people's experiences and stories. Um, it's a really great approach, but any of these approaches are fantastic. So what can you do at the moment to uh, support patients um, here and now? What would be great is if we could integrate mental health assessment in part of HIV care, you know, which includes doing an assessment, screening and referring patients for adequate support. Some patients with moderate to mild issues may benefit from psychological interventions such as peer support or self-help group, whilst the more specialist psychological interventions should be offered to um, patients for more severe and complex issues. So that's when they might see a psychologist, for instance. And for patients with more severe and enduring mental health issues, they may benefit from psychiatric and um, medical interventions. Um, of course, it's also important to make sure that patients um, receive their, a, a good sort of medical management, you know, including HIV, drug adherence, support, um, and managing any other medical issues they may also have. It should also be important to say that uh, HCPs working with people living with HIV needs to be non-judgmental. You know, the approach needs to be, we're talking about sexuality, drug use, and very sensitive subjects. So they need to be non-judgmental when discussing these issues with patients. Um, and more immediate clinical priorities for supporting mental health of people living with HIV that still needs to be addressed is that people living with HIV needs to be more involved in their care. Okay, so they should be a receiving a care that promotes their psychological well-being and is sensitive to the unique aspects of living with HIV. They should also have access to a range of psychological support. They should also be engaged in the delivery, planning and evaluation of these support services. They should have access to therapy as soon as they're diagnosed. Um, and they should also have regular screening to um, find out what their psychological support needs may be. Thank you for listening. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.